And this is the most interesting thing about the Bears. And re- regardless whether it's the first or the second round pick, and let's not listen. There is a there is a pathway to the Bears getting the number one overall selection, assuming, unfortunately, that they don't win out, they lose out, or whatever. The Houston Texans, if they win two games and they end up with three wins like the Bears, because they have that tie, they would actually move below the Chicago Bears. But the greatest thing about the Bears, and it reminds me of the 49ers a couple of years ago, is that even though, let's say the Bears end up, uh, let's say the Bears end up with the number one, number two pick, whatever it is. It is very similar to the 49ers when they took Nick Bosa in the fact that regardless of what is happening this season, and I know a lot of people will look back on this year and be like, see, we told you the Bears were going to win just three games. It's funny because th- the Bears don't feel like a three-win team, if that makes sense to you. Because a lot of times when you see these teams that win three games, four games, even five games, like, look at the Atlanta Falcons. Look at the Carolina Panthers. And look at the Chicago Bears. Which which situation would you rather be in right now? Would you rather be the Bears with Justin Fields being like, okay, we might have the worst record, but we're probably the best positioned to make a long run in the near future. And that is the thing about this pick. It's like, it is going to be so amazing. Whether they keep it or not, even if they decided you know what, we'll just keep the number two overall selection, or even if it's the first, although it would be foolish because teams are going to want to move up and get a quarterback. The Bears are setting themselves up, and there's so much enthusiasm. There is so much reason to be excited about this team moving forward that regardless of where they finish, three this does not feel like a three-win team. I have lived through three-win teams. This does not feel like that. There's, there's no reason to be morose. There's no reason to be upset. The Bears should be excited. And the draft pick is just going to be extra cabbage. It is going to be a side salad that we didn't order, and we're just happy to take it. It's like when you it's like when you're at a pizza place. They're like, hey, somebody, somebody ordered this pie and never showed up. Why don't you go ahead and take it? That's exactly what it's like. And it's exactly why we're excited about the future of the Chicago Bears. And you know what? I've been talking way too long. Sammy, let's go ahead and start the show. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast with Adam Ray. Trying to cut it back. Justin Fields making magic happen. There goes Fields. Touchdown. The Sickest Chicago Bears and Fantasy Football Podcast. Brought to you by Underdog Fantasy and Air Pura. Sports entertainment like no other. It's going to be sick. It's Tuesday night. You know what that means. It is time for Take It to the Rank. Cumberland Vitale will be joining us here in a moment. Uh, the voice that you hear on the intro is Jeff Joniak. Just want to let everybody know this Thursday, I will be on with Jeff and Tom with Bears Radio. We're going to be recording that early Thursday morning. So excited to be joining them once again to talk about the Chicago Bears and everything that's happening this season and what we have to look forward to in the future. So let's go ahead right now and bring on Carmen Vitale, who is kind enough to join us. The young lady who had to rip up her story on Saturday. <laughs> are you at – what, at what point during that game were you like, oh, my God, the Vikings are going to win this? 
Um, yeah, no, it was funny because like the way that these things kind of come about is uh, during every game, I'm slacking back and forth with my editors, coming up with the angles, you know, they're telling me what they see, I'm telling them what I see, all that other stuff. Um, and so going into halftime, my editor was like, this is great. You can probably pre-write the story mostly at halftime and then just put in some quotes after the, after the game is over and, and we'll be, you know, it'll be a pretty little bow uh, and you can get on with your Saturday. And then, um, I, I mean, it really wasn't until like the beginning of the fourth quarter uh, where I was like, oh God, because even my editor was like, no, he's like, you're okay. They would have to go, Kirk Cousins would have to go full Tom Brady and the Colts would have to go full Atlanta Falcons for this thing to actually like turn around. And he's like, you're good. You're good. It's not going to happen. And I'm like, are you sure? And then by the time the fourth quarter, I'm like, I know you said I was okay. I don't think I'm okay anymore. Or so I just like, I started, I, I tried to salvage a couple of paragraphs um, and I, I ended up rewriting the entire thing. But I mean, I have to say that was probably the most excited I've been during a game in a long time because I, I was like screaming at the TV, uh, which is hysterical because that's not usually my style at all. I'm very stoic. Uh, all my years in press boxes have conditioned me to kind of just like sit there and take it all in. And, you know, like the, the, the hits on Justin Jefferson, all of the flags that were, I was like, come on. <laughs> like I'm supposed to be an ejected journalist here. Yes. How dare you? <laughs> How you dare went full, I? you went full fangirl. Normally you're sitting there like Bud Grant stoic as all get out. And then all of a sudden you turned into Mike Dick screaming and yelling screaming. at the television. Yeah. I, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I called that at halftime. I tweeted it out even because when that I was so upset because Matt Ryan and Jeff Saturday, the whole point of having Jeff Saturday coach the Indianapolis Colts is that you can be fun and just do crazy yeah. things. And they kept yeah. settling for field goals. And I'm like, oh, this is one too many field goals. And with the two point conversion, I know it, it seems impossible because I think a lot of us still have our brains conditioned to the old seven-point scoring system. But you got to factor in the eights, and it makes all the difference in the world. And yeah. you know what? I don't know. I want to sit here and make fun of the I, – I, I mean, I was making fun of the 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 Vikings. I was I was throwing out my, my Kirk Cousins jokes. I had that already in playoff form. I said that they should just – the committee should just vote in the Lions over the Vikings. I was on a roll. I was having such a great time, and I'm like – these are going to come back to haunt me, but everybody yes, else was in on it. Too. Everybody else was in on it too, and I'm like, ah, what can you do? Like, I'll I'll yeah. take the the old takes exposed on this one. But it was an entertaining football game, and of course, on Sunday, the Chicago Bears played a very entertaining football game, going up against the what? Philadelphia Eagles. And once again, you know, I know that I go on Total Access and I make a fool of my myself picking the Bears to win, but I lay out a very detailed explanation why it's plausible the Chicago bears can win. And then they, they hit all the check marks. They do what I say, but there's always one or two things missing, but ultimately they did not win that game. What was your takeaway from Sunday with the Chicago bears? Yeah. I mean, I was a little apprehensive because I had gone into it being like, yeah, there's no way like, and I feel like anytime you feel so absolute about something, it just never ends up that way. But my whole argument though, going into that game was like, Yes, the Eagles don't have anything left to prove, but Jalen Hurts very much still does. And, yeah. you know, he's he's trying to make his case for the MVP race. I mean, I think he's already made it, but the he's fact not. of the matter is the more gaudy stats you can get, 
um, the better off you're going to be, especially if you're kind of like new to the MVP race. Um, people aren't comfortable with you yet and, and haven't seen a, a larger body of work from what you've done. Um, so I was like, he has every incentive to just come out here and dominate. And that's kind of what I expected him to do. But I mean, had it not been for like all, I mean, all of the injuries, there were so many injuries to the bears. I mean, they were in that and the defense was a huge part of that. The takeaways were, I mean, it was like Jalen Hurts had thrown what three picks prior to that game. And then he threw two in that game. Like that's, Awesome. And I, that was so encouraging. That's what I ended up writing my story about was how encouraged you have to feel about this Bears defense now going forward because you've got the defensive-minded head coach too. Um, and you've got some really good young core pieces that you can build around with obviously, you know, some off-season additions that you're going to need to make in both free agency and the draft. But like you have some guys that are there that you can build around and they're young and it's, that's, it's just a really good foundation. So that's I, that was my whole takeaway was they showed me exactly what I needed to see to be encouraged. Uh, that came from Justin Fields as well. I think he said something really telling after the game in his press conference. We were sitting there and he we were like it was kind of a joking back and forth with reporters and him. But he was like, I don't want to rush for a thousand yards every season. That's not something I actually I'm aspiring to. I'm not I don't want to be a thousand yard rusher every year. I want to be a quarterback. And I want to throw the ball. And I'm like, great. But he's like, and then in the same breath, he was like, but now that I'm already here, I do want the rushing record. Yeah, and he was course. like breaking it down. Like, you know, he's 206 yards away from Lamar Jackson's rushing record. Um, and he's like, so that works out to like 70, 70 yards a game. He's like, yeah, I could probably manage that. Um, but like, that's not what he's setting out to do. And I just think that's a really good approach. And I thought that was really telling. Um, I just, you know, about the way this is, this is going to go going forward. I mean, his main motivation for running is to not take hits, is to kind of control what, like more so like what happens to him and, and get himself out of danger. Because, I mean, there was a lot of that given, especially the, in this really scary injury to Tevin Jenkins. No, for sure. And so I think the only people outside of, you know, Justin Fields admitting that he wants to get that record, of course, everybody who plays fantasy football, wants him to get that record. And speaking of which, underdog fantasy is the easiest way to play fantasy sports. It's simple to get started. Just head to underdogfantasy.com or download the app. Sign up using the promo code SICK and underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. So if you deposit $100, underdog will give you 100 bucks. You deposit 25, underdog will match that at 25. And of course, having the app on your phone is great. Whenever there's injuries, of course, the Jalen Hurts injury news broke this week. I found out on the underdog app was like already panicking. Do I go pick up Gardner Minshew or things like that? And even if your fantasy, if you thought that fantasy was over, you could go sign up right now, play in a bunch of their, they have so many contests. It makes it so much fun. If you want to start getting in on this Justin Fields action, you could do that as well. I will say this too, as much as we love Justin Fields rushing, and of course he had the big run that was begat because of a a breakdown on the offensive line. Alex Leatherwood got beat, but a lot of people get beat by number seven. So I don't, I'm not, I'm not really super concerned about that, but I still feel that his passing gets better each and every week. And again, he's throwing to Dante Pettis. He's throwing to not Wheeler. Who is, uh, Oh, um, Simba. Gosh, I can't even think of the guy's name, but, He's throwing to these guys that nobody has ever heard of coming into this season. 
And I feel like he's making progress each and every week. What did you see out of him as a passer this week? Yeah, I mean, I think it was, again, a progression of, you know, kind of waiting to see as much as he could, waiting to see what, what develops, scrambling for the sake of finding guys or buying guys more time. Um, but, I mean, yeah, he had virtually nothing to work with in that game. And so it was hard to kind of evaluate just given the fact that, you know, EQ goes out right away and you're already down Chase Claypool and Nikhil Harry. So going into the game, so it was kind of like a, okay, now who? Um, And, you know, so I I think it was really hard to evaluate him as a passer, but, you know, still got Cole Komet involved. David Montgomery was a little bit more involved in the, you know, as, as in the, in the passing game or the receiving game as the running back. Um, as well as just muscling his way through quite a few tackles that game. Um, yeah, it, it was just it was it was a hard game to evaluate that, and that's not obviously Justin's fault. So I just you know, it's I, I like what I see though with him kind of having the idea to scramble, not just to take off himself, right. but to buy himself time and continue to look downfield and see you know if he, if something comes open with the time that he's bought. Yeah, whether Webster catches the ball or not, you're like, okay, did he get did he get out of the pocket? Did he make the right read? <laughs> yeah. That's fine. I mean, Dante Pettis drops. I, I don't know. It doesn't matter to me. Like that part of it is like just the about just what is he seeing and how is he reacting to the plays? And I think for me, that's top notch. Now, you talk about some of the injuries. Tevin Jenkins had a neck injury. What is do you have the mm-hmm. latest on that by any chance? All we really heard out of Matt Eberflus is that things are encouraging and he was due to be released from the hospital um, after the game, like the day after the game. So um, yesterday rather. So he's been really kind of tight lipped um, from everything I've heard so far um, about Tevin. And maybe there was something said today that I I might've missed. I was, it was, it was kind of chaotic for me because literally like all three head coaches between the Packers, the Vikings and the bears or like all, I was getting notifications that all of them were talking at the same time. Yeah. So I was trying to go back and forth. So I might have missed that. But that being said, I mean, after the game, it was, we that was one of the first things that was asked. And it was, it's encouraging, which I take to mean, you know, he had movement in his extremities and that he had gone to a hospital. Um, but I mean, the scene just itself was, so just harrowing, completely harrowing. You hate when you see stuff like that. I mean, Tevin Jenkins was like face down on the ground and did not move. Yeah. And I mean, again, he is he is so incredibly tough. And so it's just so concerning. Like you saw the cart come out. And then like, even as the cart came out, I realized that they hadn't turned him over yet. Yeah. And then like, and then they bring the stretcher down and I'm like, oh my God, like this, this is this. I knew like right away that it had to have been like a neck injury. Because that's the only reason that you're you don't move them right away uh, for fear of doing something further. Um, but yeah, I mean, his entire teammates then like came off the bench, and you just never want to see that. So hopefully, encouraging means that you know. Um, I, I don't know that we'll see him again well, he, this season. Yeah, he said, "Well, classic Eber flus." He's like, "He's day to day," and it's like, Matt, like we don't need to play this game. Like we're three and eleven. Yeah. Like it's okay. We can. Right. We can, we can, we can go through this. You don't, we don't have to be evasive on every single thing. I appreciate it. I love that. Right. He's commit, I love that. He's committed to the bit, so to speak. Like I, it's well, very cool. Even, like, after the, even after the game, when he was just like, it's encouraging. Like it took like a couple follow-up questions to find out that he went to a hospital. I'm like, yeah, 
please like we're all very concerned like this is coming from a place of like legitimate concern for this man as a human like is he okay is he paralyzed is there like please just tell us like you don't need to be mum like being mum in those situations I feel like makes it worse a little because then your 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 imagination just starts like running wild so it's like okay he was taken to a hospital signs are encouraging like say he has movement in his extremities or something yeah. like just just give us like some peace of mind here because we all like at least for me you know speaking for myself like I was legitimately really shaken by that and really really concerned for the guy as, as a human being and I don't think that like again like you don't need to play him the rest of the season because like he's answered every single question you ever had, sure. you had about him like you know that his like he's a natural his natural position at the league level is right guard he yeah. has been like since he switched to that position he's been one of the highest graded at that position, you know, throughout like throughout the season and, and during stretches of the season was really, really playing at a really elite level. So, you know, that's where you're going to play him. You know, he's going to be your starter next year. Let the guy just recover because neck injuries are can end careers. Right? Yeah. It ended a friend of mine's career, you know, after 12 years in the league as a center, the neck injury was what, what, what did him in eventually after sustaining like 20 something surgeries. Yeah, it, it is really one of the things that you don't want to play around with. So as as he's continuing to be evasive, and it's fine. Like, I understand that the, what he's doing. But at the same time, like, this is a little too serious. Like, just say that he's right. okay. We'll see him next year. It's fine. I don't want to be defeatist or anything like that. But this is why we have depth on the roster. And so hopefully uh, he'll get healed up. And then next year he'll be ready to go. And uh, we've got ourselves a great right guard. On the other side of the football, we taught you touched on this earlier, talking about the defense looking so good. I want to touch on a number of things. We did see that Jack Sanborn went on the IR this yes. week, but I think moving forward, I, I, and it's a, again, it's a similar type situation where it's a disappointing end to what is a very encouraging sign and, and a guy that you can hope to pencil in as a starting linebacker next season. Are we convinced? Are we good with with Sanborn? Are we looking at other spots when we're addressing free agency in the draft? Yeah, I mean, no, I think that, again, he came on really strong. He was very, he was solid, reliable, everything you need out of that Sam linebacker spot. Um, You know, he's not having to coordinate the defense or, or relay the calls on the defense. He doesn't have all of that much responsibility, just has to really worry about his job. And you know he can do that. So, whether he can take on more responsibility, I think that that's maybe the remaining question that you have. And if if that Sam linebacker spot is the best place for him, I tend to think it is. But, I mean, you're like, I don't think that there's any sort of really sense of urgency as to figure out um, where he belongs because I think that you can go into this offseason knowing that you've got a reliable Sam linebacker and maybe you need to look more at, at the mic and the will spots and, and figure out, you know, I mean, Nicholas Morrow, I know had, had kind of gone back and forth between that mic and will spot moved to the will spot. Uh, especially with Roquan gone. That was, that was a unit that was going to need to be restructured anyway. Um, yeah. And you, you knew that as soon as they got rid of Roquan. So, no. but I think that, you know, you can, you can st- like Jack Sanborn is one of those guys that you feel pretty good about being a starter for next season. And there's not a ton of those guys on either side of the football for the bears. But I think, I think Sanborn is one of them and he's, you know, it's such a great story too. And and he is a high effort, high motor guy. I think he fits in with the staff really well too, because something that was 
told to me by uh, their wide receivers coach was just the way in which they grade loafs is different because they essentially, if you're not straining to make the play, if you're not going above and beyond to make the play, then if you're just like doing your job base level, getting to your spot and that's it, that's a loaf is like just doing your job. Like they want to see you go above and beyond every single time. And that's exactly who Jack Sanborn is. So I think that they have to be, you know, ecstatic with the value that they got. hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, you think about the fact that they used their first two picks were in the, both in the second round on Kyler Gordon and Quan Brisker. And the fact that you get Jack Sanborn as an undrafted free agent is a coup, is a huge coup, uh, coup for the, uh, for the, for the front office staff. But let's talk about Kyler Gordon for a second. You mentioned yeah. the interception. Both of those interceptions came without getting pressure on the quarterback, which has been one of the reasons why I think the Bears haven't been able to create a lot of turnovers is that they're not getting pressure on the quarterback. But I thought that Kyler Gordon made a lot of exceptional plays. He played very well. The unfortunate part is that they sent him in on a blitz. He hit the wrong gap. And, of course, Jalen Hurts scores a touchdown. Jalen Hurts was dropping absolute dimes to A.J. Brown. And I hate watching the replays because it's like Kyler Gordon could not be any closer to the football. So I feel like, you know what? Like sometimes quarterbacks make great plays. It is what it is. I thought he played really well. What was your takeaway from Kyler Gordon? Yeah, no, I mean, that's kind of the plus side of playing that nickel spot is, you know, it takes a while. And I think that that's what we saw in the beginning of the year, him getting adjusted from going outside to inside. But like as a nickel, you have to read. You have to know what everyone around you is doing. And then you have to read exactly what the offense is doing. And you have options usually on every single play. And so that takes a little bit of adjustment. It takes some experience. You want to see what these NFL offenses are giving you, all of that kind of stuff. And now we're seeing it pay dividends where he's making the right reads. And that's the testament to that is the fact that, yeah, there isn't pressure on the quarterback, but he's still making these plays because he is now being more anticipatory because he's seen what these guys, like what, what teams are trying to do at this level. And that's what's paying off right now. He's an incredibly smart player and you have to be to play that position. I think that that goes really overlooked is just how much more cerebral that position is from outside corner. And that's what's, you know, going to be paying dividends. The fact that he's already passed that learning curve, it's seemingly, and it's not even hit the end of his first season is really, really encouraging and just tells you exactly, you know, who these guys picked up and, and how justified they were in making those picks between him and Jaquan Brisker. Um, I think that, yeah, the safety role is you're, you're, you're set back that much that's further. Up. So it's a little bit easier to read. And that's why yeah. I think Jaquan had some more production earlier than, than maybe Kyler did. But yeah, I just, I'm very impressed by him. Um, there's really nothing you can do against AJ Brown when he's in this lot. And then, I mean, Jalen Johnson talked about it too after the game. Um, and I loved their Twitter exchange, AJ Brown and Jalen Johnson, just being like, you know, good, like yeah. good, good battle. Love that ish, you know, all that stuff. And it's true. I mean, like you can cover a guy perfectly, but if he's an elite receiver, like AJ Brown is, there's nothing you can do, especially when you've got a quarterback that is accurate, that is throwing these balls exactly where AJ Brown can get them and no one else. I mean, the biggest thing about Tom Brady has always been that he throws good incompletions. I remember Todd Bowles telling me that, that he throws like some of the best incompletions you'll ever see because if his receiver can't get it, nobody else can. Yeah. And that's exactly what Jalen Hurts was doing. So um, I don't I don't really take that to heart, you know, not being able to contain A.J. Brown as much. 
Oh, um, but yeah, and I like again, it was it was a good battle. And honestly, there was a couple of plays, especially with Jalen Johnson, that I saw. I even tweeted, I was like, man, Jalen Johnson just bodied AJ Brown because like he won a few of those battles too. But the reality of the DB position, those DB positions, is that you know you're you're judged more or your your screw ups are a little bit louder. Yeah. Um, than, the, than the good plays you make. You can make, nine, you know, 60, oh. 61 good plays and, you know, out of 63, and you give up two plays, and it's like, ah, that was a terrible game. And it's like, yeah. well, wasn't it? Yeah. The breakups still make the highlight shows. You know, I do know, <laughs> yeah. like, sometimes when you're the, – the only time, like, in the fantasy football show that they will show bad plays is, like, if you're saying, don't start A.J. Brown this week, which they never say, they would have to go out and find the plays. Like, I almost want to do that, like – I almost want to do a segment this week where I'm like, sit AJ Brown, where they have to go out and pull all of Jalen Johnson and Kyler Gordon's good plays this week and show them fighting off AJ Brown. Be like, I, I'm still starting them, but I just wanted some positive. I just wanted the Bears defense <laughs> to get a little bit of love. So I'm glad that we're able to clear the air on the Bears defense. And speaking of which, we spend 90% of our time indoors and indoor air can be five times dirtier than the air outside. An air pure air purifier can remove tobacco smoke, odors, VOCs, mold, wildfire smoke, chemicals, and viruses from your breathing air. Like I was out there today going out to my kids, uh, their little Christmas pageant, which was amazing. So many coughing kids, kids in masks, but that's why we went out there and got an air air purifier. And right now, if you use the code SICK7, you get 7% off your purchase at www dot airpura.com that once again that's www.airpura.com make sure you use the code sick seven time now to take a look at some of the questions we probably have rolling in now we're we're both positive what what what's the landscape like out there sammy are we going to want to wade into this are we uh like worm food uh i get if we get the magic unicorn trade for two slightly later top 10 picks do we go defense and shore up the offensive line? Like, obviously, you know, a lot of this is going to be predicated what we do in free agency. But as it stands right now, if you had two picks in the top 10, which way would you be leaning, Carmen? Um, I mean, yeah, like you you need help on both sides of the ball, right? Uh, and I think that there's, you know, Pierre Skaronsky is going to be somewhere in that area as far as yeah. offensive tackles go and the Northwestern kid. I just, I'm a sucker for obviously my, my Northwestern Wildcats. I would love to see him stay home and be, and become a bear and kind of shore up uh, the offensive line. Although I've said before that I also think that given Ryan Pohl's background as an offensive lineman, I think that he probably has the most confidence in himself to evaluate offensive linemen and maybe, therefore can like find some more diamonds in the rough, like later on in later rounds. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just the possibilities I just feel like are so endless and it makes me so excited for the bears because you don't need a quarterback and to yeah. have those high of picks and not need a quarterback is it's, it's just rare. Like it's not, that's not usually the case. And it just sets you up to come away with two like franchise altering players um, especially, yeah, if you get the unicorn trade where you have the number two pick and then you just trade down a couple spots and then are still able to grab a Jalen Carter, a Willie Anderson, and then, yeah, could you get your offensive tackle of the future in a guy like Peter Skronsky? Um, That would be great. But, yeah, I mean, I think what you the, – the strategy has to be, like, all these teams, all these staffs have, like, a big board 
and they have all these players that they absolutely love. And they just, you know, start picking these guys. A lot of, I should say, not every staff operates like this, but a lot of them do. We're best player available. They start picking guys off the board as they're taken, and then they take their top guy. And I think that that's probably how this staff operates, given who they picked, you know, this past draft and taking defensive backs when maybe that wasn't their biggest need. It definitely seems like they go best player available. And I think when you have as many needs as the Bears team, this Bears team does, that's probably the right way to approach it. So I don't know that I can really make any predictions as to like what's going to happen. It just is going to depend on who they really like and who is still there. Um, and that, that, that's at the top of their board. Yeah. It's an empty canvas. It's like walking into Portillo's and just seeing everything on the board is available to you. I don't know. Maybe I'm going to go cake shake and not even get a hot dog. You never know. There's a lot of different ways. We have a Portillo sponsorship now. Come on. No, 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 we don't. Like I was, it's also the same, like when I like living out here in Southern California, I don't get the Portillo's a lot, but usually I take the kids to Del Taco and it's a, whenever I take the kids to Del Taco, I'm very limited because of what they'll eat. And so I got to order them a combo meal knowing I'm going to take their tacos and they're going to do this. So whenever I walk into a Del Taco by myself, like it is, it is, it is surprising to be like, I can order anything. Like I don't have to order the quesadilla meal because that's all my daughter wants to eat. And then I know that they're going to get extra fry or whatever. I'm like, I can just order whatever I want. And it's an amazing situation. So I think that's the way it's going to be for Ryan Poles. And you know what? Like crazy things, you know, who knows what could happen if they end up with that number, especially if they end up with number one. And then the ability to move down and down the yeah. board and acquire more picks. And, you know, you think about the way that the NFL's worked out this season. When you think of the prime players who've contributed on NFL rosters this year, and I know everybody's going to be like, when are we going to draft the offense or a wide receiver? I know that'll be a big one. But when we see guys like George Pickens and Christian Watson, who've played pretty well this season, not every receiver that was drafted in the first round has turned into a superstar. Now, Garrett Wilson's good. Drake London hasn't really gotten an opportunity, and, and Chris Olave's look good. But there were some other guys taken in the first round that, as you look back at it now, you're like, oh, I forgot that that player was drafted ahead of Christian Watson. So, it's important not to fall in love with a position and feel like mm-hmm. you have to take a guy. Like, we have to do this. We have to do that. Because the good thing about, like, not the good thing, but outside of quarterback, everything is in play. And if we trade down and by some miracle, some of these players start falling and you're like, okay. Like if you end up with a Micah Parsons type player, because remember he was a drafted 11th overall. Like he yeah. wasn't. He wasn't like the first overall pick in the draft, although you would think so the way he's been productive. Man, there are so many great values, and I trust I trust Ryan Pulse too. People ask me, they're like, why, why do you have so much trust in him? Like, why? I'm like, I don't know, because Kyler Gordon's been playing very well. Jaquan Brisker yeah. has been a stud. Jack Sanborn, who was an undrafted guy, has played very well. Yeah. Braxton Jones is good. Moving Tevin. Dominic Arden. Robinson. Like, you've got Dominic Robinson. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. know what? And I'm like, and a lot of these guys, like, you get so spoiled that, you know, if they don't come out and score four touchdowns like Christian Watson did up until last night, you're like, well, that guy's not playing well. You're like, well, that's not the whole story. And it's not feasible for every player to come in and make a huge impact during their rookie year. Like everybody's gotten so spoiled with some of these players who've played so well as rookies that it's like, it's not always like that. It takes it. Sometimes it can be a slow burn. And so I feel like it's position dependent too. I mean, some positions take a little bit longer to develop because the position in college is different from that in the league. I think we see that a lot with offensive linemen. I think we see that a lot with tight ends, especially too, which doesn't get a lot of conversation. I don't think, 
uh, just how different the tight end position is in college versus what they're expected to do at the NFL level. So I think that all that has to be taken into consideration too. And like, I don't know. I don't know that I want to say like positional value is, is necessarily like a myth, but it, there, there are varying, like every position is going to end up being important, whether or not they make an impact in their first year, I feel like is that's where like positions kind of come into play more than anything. But I feel like, especially like, like you said, with the bears having pretty much everything in play, yeah, um, every single pick is going to be important and how many picks you have. And I feel like Ryan Poles has hit on a lot of picks for in just his first draft which will aid in the confidence I think that everybody has in him. And the fact, not only that, but like what you've done post draft in like Kevin Jenkins, putting him at right guard, like little, and, and again, like moving players around in different areas, having Jack Sanborn come up, all that kind of stuff. That's all personnel decision too. So um, yeah, I think, or personnel has, has a, has a role to play in those decisions, I should say. Um, So yeah, I, I have total faith in him. Yeah, I do too. So I, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a fun off season. And of course, Matt Eberflus was talking about the three technique. I believe it was today uh, talking about it quite glowingly. So that'll probably be something that's going to be addressed. Although I would imagine they bring in a veteran to fill that spot. All right, Sammy, how about another question? If we could, do you think the bears re-sign Montgomery or does polls follow the chiefs example and not pay running backs? I'm going to feel this one first, Carmen, because we were talking about it Sunday at Rip Beer Company, and again, we had another nice crowd come out, which has been amazing considering the Bears, you know, not playing for the playoffs currently, but we still get a nice crowd out there because everybody loves to watch Justin Field and watch the development. We were talking about David Montgomery. I honestly believe, and I'm a little bit biased, I love David, and I want him to stay, but when you look at the number of free agents who will be available this season at the running back position, I think that's going to depress the price a little bit. And I think that, you know, when it comes to familiarity and chemistry and everything like that, instead of trying to chase the bucks with Josh Jacobs or Saquon Barkley or some of these other guys that the bears have been, well, mostly it's, it's kids on the internet being like, yeah, I heard the bears are going like, I, I don't know how much I buy that. I think there's a good chance. And this is just my conjecture. There is a good chance that David Montgomery returns to this team. What are you hearing out there in Chicago? Yeah, I mean, they obviously really love what he brings to this offense and the fact that you can have such a solid run game. I mean, they've designated Khalil Herbert to return from IR now as well. And I think, like, when this run game is clicking on all cylinders, all the guys are healthy, um, I think they all play a really good role. And that starts with David Montgomery. And, I mean, again, like, his effort in this last game against the Eagles, again, you know, they – these guys don't have a postseason to play for at this point. David Montgomery, especially, doesn't yeah. really have anything to prove or play for right now. Um, and he, the, the effort and just the sheer like will um, and leadership that he brings to that offense is is irreplaceable. Um, and I think that they lean on him a lot. And he, I don't think that Justin Fields gets to be as much of Justin Fields if David Montgomery doesn't isn't there as well. And I think that only magnifies when you have Khalil Herbert because now you've got a really good backfield tandem plus a quarterback like Justin Fields who can beat you with his legs. And, I mean, when you look at the Eagles, like they, they're they another run-first kind of team. And given the fact that they have a third option in Jalen Hurts, it worked, it's worked out pretty well for them. Um, and I think that, you know, especially if you get some more help with the offensive line. Although this offensive line, I will say, 
for as much flack as they've been catching, you know, for in pass blocking and especially true pass sets. I was reading some stuff off yeah. of PFF the other day. Their run blocking grades have been great. And they've been able to open up this run game um, for the Bears that, that has tied them over this season. So David Montgomery has to be encouraged by that as a running back. And again, yeah, like the familiarity and just and the comfortability being here in Chicago. Um, but I mean, yeah, you never really know because as a running back too, I feel like your careers are already short. It's mm-hmm. one, they have that, that position group has one of the shortest careers uh, on average of any position group. You probably do want to get money while you can. And if polls does it, and I, I would think that, you know, polls is, inclination just like our friend said about the chiefs like you know they don't really pay running backs and i think that that, i don't think that that's going to change um especially when you do have a a running option under center as much as i would love david montgomery to say i don't think that i could fault him for taking a larger contract somewhere else yeah um especially when running back careers are so short yeah i just don't know where that opportunity lends itself with with so many guys who are going to be available out there and that the lack of the lack of money available for the running back position is league-wide. It's not just the yeah. Bears thing. I don't think anybody's going out there and spending a ton of money on the running back position. Look at a couple of years ago when Le'Veon Bell was coming off some of his best seasons, when yeah. he was truly considered, you know, probably the best running back in the game at the time, and he just bounced around. Like, we were like, yeah, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to pay that much money. So hopefully that a, a deal can be worked out with the Chicago Bears. I don't expect it to be a, a record breaker or anything no. like that, but I think that and again, I don't know what David Montgomery is thinking, you know, and I, right. I don't know if the, if the number comes in where it works out for both teams and it makes sense because obviously they can go out there and draft another guy. But as we've seen with Tristan Ebner, it, it's not always a guarantee that the guy that you draft is going to be as effective as right. the guy who is already there. So hopefully uh, if Ebner was playing really well, I would feel very concerned about this. I would be like, yeah, we could be in some trouble, but at the same yeah. time, he's not like, he's been fine, but, you know, they're bringing in Darrington Evans and guys like that to spell some right. people. And I think that hopefully I think it works out. I hope it works out. I think David Montgomery is a, a really good running back. I think he's – and obviously I know Josh Jacobs is putting up better numbers this this year, like fantasy-wise. I think David Montgomery as a pure runner is better, and that's me, and I'll die on that hill. Um, how about another question, though? Do you guys believe that the Bears need a center? They can sign Lucas Patrick. They signed Lucas Patrick, who is injured. Uh, do guys lose their jobs because of injury? I will say this. Lucas Patrick is somebody who would give the Bears depth on the offensive line, but I don't think that you can rule out drafting a center because Lucas Patrick is there. What is your feeling, Carmen? Yeah, and I mean, to answer that last question, do guys kind of get get released or not re-sign because of injury? Yeah, absolutely. Like the best ability still remains availability, and mm-hmm. it's such a like a coach colloquialism or whatever you want to call it, um, but it's true, and that's the hard truth of this. And we also, I mean, Lucas Patrick had a great season for Green Bay before he came to Chicago. He was also snapping to a very experienced, elite, one of the best quarterbacks this league has ever seen. That inherently takes a lot of responsibility and pressure off of the center is when you have a guy back there that can already recognize all the checks, can recognize the defenses, the down linemen, all that kind of stuff. There's nothing Aaron Rodgers hasn't seen. And that makes life really easy for a center. Um, Whereas when you are working with a younger quarterback who talented as Justin Fields is, 
not as experienced as a guy like Aaron Rodgers. That's not controversial to say. And so you want someone that's a little bit more experienced, I feel like, up front to be able to identify things and make things easier for Justin and make his development kind of come along a little bit. The center to quarterback relationship is one of the things that has fascinated me the most. Um, and, uh, you know, every time that like I've, I've studied offensive line and, and that's kind of what it was born out of is just that whole relationship and how much is like how much pressure is on that exchange. Because, I mean, yes, the quarterback touches the ball every snap of the offensive snap of the game, but so does the center. Yeah. And there's a lot of responsibility on the center that I feel like a lot of people don't realize. So if I, I do think they need a center um, and I, I would tend to think that they would go for a veteran. Um, again, just to give more experience and to make things a little bit easier on Justin, him not having to do everything and identify everything and make all of the checks and, and calls and everything like that. Um, I mean, and that's, again, like, I think that that also plays into why the relationship maybe hasn't worked as well with Sam Mustaver as you would have liked. Um, yeah. You know, he's, he's not, he hasn't graded out really great. I, I tend to think that he's better than a lot of people give him credit for, but at the same time, he's not experienced. And so he's not really providing any of that um, kind of value as far as what, you know, exper- more experienced centers who have seen everything can do. Um, so I would love to see the Bears go out and get, you know, a pretty, like a, a really good veteran center who has maybe three, four, five years under his belt. Um, because wildly enough, centers can have really long careers. <laughs> Yeah. Despite being on the line. I mean, we're seeing these guys like go longer and longer um, all along the line, but for sure. Um, then that interior spot, I mean, it just, it's all the stuff that they're responsible for. I would love to see the bears get uh, a more experienced guy. hundred percent. I don't think that you can rule out anybody, even the fact, and again, Lucas Patrick, and I know they promised him or it was discussed that he was going to play center for the Chicago bears, but if things work yeah. out that he's got to be kicked to the guard position, then, I think that's just what's going to happen. I think they're just going to figure out the best combination moving forward. And hopefully next year there will be a lot of consistency on the offensive line and we won't have to, because that's the one thing too, is like if Lucas Patrick doesn't get hurt in training camp, who knows how this unfolds, who knows how that relationship develops. So there was a lot of things, but again, you can't just be like, well, we promised this to you last year. Cause like, if you think about it, like the Packers have been going through this thing with David Bakhtiari is that like, it's been fascinating like how long that injuries kept or the injuries have kept him out and he's never been able to come back. And it's disappointing to see. And it just shows you like, you can't really count on anything. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's a, I mean, you hate to see it on a human level as we've talked about earlier, but like, man, it's been such a bummer. So again, I, I, I don't think that anybody, like nobody's earned a spot of like, well, we'll, we'll save this open for you. Everybody's going to be out there competing uh, for their job next season. How about another question there, Sammy? Uh, yeah, Thanks, Charlie. it is all, it is all Chris Christmas out. Especially uh, yeah. yeah, it makes me really happy. Um, I don't know. I like, I, as soon as I got, I, I was traveling most of November, but, uh, and I was traveling a lot of December, but I had this stretch at the beginning of December where I was like, I'm going to go all out. And like, literally when I was on the trip before I got home in December, I was like ordering all this, all these packages to be like waiting for me when I got home and it was my Christmas tree and. Yeah. It just makes me happy. Yeah. I'm probably I'm going to leave it up to like February. Probably. Do it. Do what you do. You know, what's funny is I've always like when people complain about Christmas decorations or Christmas music and all that stuff, I'm like, you know what? Like I think people have had it pretty tough over the last couple of years. If Christmas makes you happy, go do it. Decorate, yeah. do whatever, have fun. Like you don't have to answer to anybody. 
yeah. I think it looks great, Carmen, and I'm glad that you're Thank enjoying you. it. Christmas is pretty Thank awesome, you. and everybody yeah. should enjoy it. How about a one final? That could have been the last one, but uh, <laughs> I knew Casey. Nope. We're not gonna, uh, I don't think that it's. Uh, I don't think that he has a problem. I just think that he's a player who's adjusting to the NFL. And again, it's been fun watching guys like Christian Watson go out there and play pretty well, and some of these young wide receivers go out there and make an immediate impact. But you know what? Unfortunately, it hasn't been there for Valus Jones, and so you know, I I still have confidence in him. I'm not giving up on him after 12, 14 games, whatever it's been. I think it's going to be a, a work in progress for him. He battled some injuries during the off season, which kind of slowed his development. But at some point he's going to have to go out there and put out and, and put up numbers and, and put up production. And that's one of the things. And again, even though he was a third round pick, you know, this team's gone out and they've traded for a second round pick with Chase Claypool. They brought it in Keel Harry. They're going to keep adding pieces. They're probably going to draft a guy this year. There might be a big name free agent. You know, we can, we can wish cast somebody like DeAndre Hopkins or Mike Evans or something like that. It is going to get tougher and tougher. Don't, don't tease me with Mike Evans coming. Whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, Mike Evans, maybe DeAndre Hopkins, though, kind of could make some sense if they blow everything up. Whatever. I, um, it, it's going to continue to get difficult, and it's going to take – like, he's going to have to rise to the occasion. And yeah. I'm a big Bayless fan, and everybody knows this. And you know what? He's going to have to play better. He knows it as well as anybody. I don't think that there's anybody who's uh, – I don't think he's – I mean, he knows – he wants to go out there. He wants to compete. He wants to play well. And so yeah. um, that's it. I don't want to talk. I don't want to spend too much time on it. Was there another? Was there a good one, Sammy? I knew I should have <laughs> left on the Christmas one. Now he's scouring. <laughs> he can't find anything. I will go back. Uh, what free agent defensive lineman do you think the Bears will target? I hope uh, there'll probably be. Again, it's kind of hard to to look at the situation, what's going on in the league, who's going to be making moves. But looking back at Indianapolis. I feel like they're going to have to do something. They're almost on the verge of blowing everything up in and of themselves. I start looking at them and be like, who could we poach from there? I think that's going to be a place to start. And again, until we start seeing who's making moves and things like that, it's really hard to predict at this point. Yeah. I mean, you can look at like who's due to be a free agent, but we've seen so many times that, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. You you could like, you've got trades and, and you know, exactly like which team is going to be selling, um, in free agency or like, you know, come to off season and trying to offload some big, you know, some big contracts. Um, but again, like you're, you're going to need to look at guys that probably fit the system. If you're going with a veteran, you need to find a guy that kind of fits the system inherently that four, three defense, that three tech, um, so much plays off of that position. So like, and I, I, I think somebody said it before, like would love to see a veteran in that spot. Or you said that before the I said that, yeah. In that three tech, yeah. In that three tech spot. Again, you know, much for the same reasons that I was saying that I would like a veteran center for a very crucial part of this defense um, that is so young to begin with. I would love a veteran three tech as well. Um, and then, you know, like, but like also, I mean, if Jalen Carter's there when you're drafting. Yeah. All right. What are we going to do? Uh, I mean, it is one of those things. But yeah, I like I like the seeing if there's going to be like a Colts fire sale and being like, you played for Maddie Bruplus, didn't hey. you? Come on over. Or you heard about Maddie Bruplus, like Yannick and Gawkway. Well, Come on. I, yeah. On Gawkway, I made the mistake. They have not, they they weren't there in Indianapolis right. at the same time. But I was, that's what I was saying. You've heard about Maddie You've Bruplus, heard of him. Like, I'm sure the players have talked him up. Well, it's insane yeah. because like Chase Daniel, 
who I now have a relationship with, loves Matt Eberflus. That's who recruited him to go play at Missouri all the way back in the day when he was the defensive coordinator for the Tigers. And so he loves Matt Eberflus. D'Angelo Hall, who I didn't realize, I didn't really get the connection. He was here last night too at the NFL Network. He loves Matt Eberflus. So the word around the NFL is that players love Matt Eberflus. And even though we can sit here and I know, you know, Brian Dable was this guy that we watched in Buffalo and we're like, we hope we get Dable and everything. And he's done a great job with the New York Giants. Make no mistake about it. The Bears hiring of Matt Eberflus is probably going to go down as one of those sneaky good hires because everybody in the league really loves him and respects him. And so I expect this free agent class or anybody who becomes available is going to be thinking about going to Chicago because number one, they want to play with Justin Fields. And number two, they like the coach and the coaching staff. And I think they've got a lot of money and they got money, which is the most important money talks. (laughs) Money does talk. And, uh, but yeah, so we'll see There's a lot of interesting things, a lot of cool things going on with the Chicago bears. So that there's so much to look forward to. In addition to looking forward to things. I will again be on with Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer this week on the Bears radio show. So we just, yeah, we just, uh, I've been confirming that as we've been here. I'm like, Jeff, I'm doing a show. You don't want, I don't want you doing business when I'm on your show, sir. But no, we got that settled. So I'll be on with them this week. Uh, Carmen, where are you going to be this weekend? What are you doing? I'm going to be with Bears again. So I'll be at Bears Bills on Christmas Eve. And we'll be hurrying back to my family's house right after the game to go have uh, the Feast of the Seven Fishes dinner, which is a big tradition in my family. So Yeah, the Italian tradition. I've been hearing all about it. I've now got to figure out a way to get invited to a, a, a supper like that. But it sounds amazing. You're, if you're going to be in Chicago, you're welcome to come to the Italian right. house. <laughs> I would love that. At some point, I'll have to make that, uh, make that stop at some point. But I want to thank everybody who is here with us tonight. Thank you so much for answer, for asking these questions. Thanks for listening to us. I, again, it's great because being 3-11 and 11 and being able to be this positive is so huge for us, and I think that it's only going to get better. It's going to get more exciting as the season continues to, to move on as we get into the offseason. I feel like people are now, like, disinterested, and then they'll be back around in January and, of course, after the playoffs once that hot stove, whatever the NFL equivalent of the hot stove, is but uh thanks so much for being here carmen really appreciate you yep thanks for having me as always all right there it goes thanks happy holidays happy holidays oh yeah this will be it before we see you for the holidays happy holidays uh that's all we got thank you so much sammy go ahead and play us out and bear down and that's a wrap hope you don't miss us too much until next time follow the sick podcast with adam rank on youtube instagram facebook Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. Brought to you by Underdog Fantasy and Air Pura.